time with God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Spiritual realm. What did? You, what does the Bible say? It says. Uh, that the things that, that we shouldn't focus on the things that are seen because those things are temporal, but we, sh- we should focus on those things that are unseen because those things are eternal. So what, what are the scriptures saying? They're encouraging us, listen, we've got to start living in the unseen realm. We've got to start thinking in the unseen realm. We've got to start praying with the faith, knowing that it's really about the unseen realm that moves into action. And just so all of you guys know, how many of you know that in the end, when Jesus comes back, we're going to have the millennial reign and all that stuff. Well, well, how many of you know that when we die, yeah, we may go to heaven in between times or whatever, but when Jesus comes back, that the kingdom of God is not going to be just the spiritual realm. Do you know that? I, I forgot to pay attention to the time. What time did I start? 8.15, okay. So, what was I saying? Whoa. Mandy, what was I saying? Right, right, right. The second coming. So, (laughs) don't do drugs. (laughs) All right. We're going to have to cut that out of the podcast. Okay. Where was I? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. uh, So, the second coming of Jesus Jesus is going to come. How many, how many of you guys know after that, we're not going to go to heaven. It's not going to be just the spiritual realm. So sometimes we think about heaven. I mean, if I had more time, we'd go into this further. But sometimes we think about heaven, and we think about uh, uh, floating on clouds and playing harps and worshiping God for eternity. Now, I think we will worship God for eternity. And I think it'd be cool to, like, jump on a cloud or something, but... But the truth is, is that when I was younger growing up, I was thinking about, the, about heaven, and I was like, I honestly was like, man, I'm going to be, like, so bored. And I really remember, like, the, the just transition of my thinking when the Lord just really revealed to me that really we're not going to be just sitting there, like, playing harps and, like, shooting arrows and crap. When we get to heaven, we're going to be doing stuff. We're going, to be, we're going to be advancing. We're going to be learning. We're going to be teaching. We're going to be doing stuff. And beyond that, we could go really deep into, into all that stuff. But beyond that, when Jesus comes back, it's not just going to be the spiritual realm. It's not going to be like it is right now in heaven where it's spirit beings, you know, that do whatever, float around whatever. And it's also not going to be just the physical realm, which is what we're in right now. We're in the physical realm. It's not just going to be just the physical realm where you can't see anything in the spiritual realm. But the scriptures declare that when, when Jesus returns, and the whole idea is that the two, the whole, God's purpose from the very beginning is that the two realms would come together. Is that the spiritual realm would come together with the physical realm. And, we, and you know we're actually going to get new bodies. So we're going to die. Okay, so say, say I die tomorrow or something. Hopefully not, but say I do. And, and my spirit leaves my body, then I'm a spirit I'm in the spiritual realm, and that's how it is, until the two worlds become one, which is what Jesus designed from the very beginning, that we would gain new bodies 
but we would live in the, with, the, with the limits, if there are, in the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? So anyways, I just want you to get a picture of the kingdom of God and how it's totally different than the kingdoms that we live in and the times that we live in right now. And so you see also in the scriptures where, where uh, like, King David uses phraseology like, uh, you know, I'm like an alien to my own mothers and my own brothers. And so it's this idea that I'm an alien. I'm like a, a foreign person. I'm like, I like live on, a, on another realm. I live in a different system, in a different realm than even my own mothers and even my own brothers. And, and even Peter says, I, I urge you to, to live like aliens. I, does he use the word aliens? To live like aliens on the earth. And the whole idea is that we weren't born for this age or this realm. We were born for another realm. We were born not for this kingdom, not the kingdom of the world. We were born for the kingdom of God. And God wants all of us to live in the kingdom of God here and now. And in order to do that, I think one of the key principles in order to live in the, here, in the kingdom of God here and now is to have a transformed mind. Is that our mind would be changed from thinking like we always think in the world to thinking like God wants us to think in the limitless kingdom of God. So Romans 12, you all know this passage of Scripture. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And this is the part I want to focus on. I really just want to focus on two points tonight. Do not be conformed to this world. I'm going to focus on that point. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to focus on that point. But it's important that we hear the rest of this. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So the passage that we're focusing on is do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we see this adverse idea, these opposite ideas. And so... The word conformed means to fashion alike or conform to the same pattern. And so the Lord is saying to us, do not be fashioned alike, do not look like, do not be conformed to the same pattern as the world. So that doesn't mean that we can't. I heard the other day that like, um, are there any Nazarene? Well, I guess David was. Uh, I heard the other day that like, dang it, I ruined it. But I heard the other day that some denominations, <laughs> uh, they, like, can't play cards because cards represent, like, gambling and stuff. And so, and they can't do certain things. And so they, like, take it. They go, well, we, we're not going to gamble, so we're not going to play cards. Well, uh, you know, we, people abuse alcohol and get drunk, so we're not going to ever drink, and we can't do that. And so um, my, my whole point in saying that is that, is that I don't think that we so much need to, you know, it's kind of like where do, where's the line drawn, you know, to where I can't talk with you guys because sometimes people gossip, you know, or I can't eat food because sometimes people abuse food and are gluttonous and stuff like that. And so I'd, I think when he says do not be conformed to this world, do not be conformed to the same pattern, do not be fashioned like the world, like the world. I don't think it's necessarily talking about certain actions that we do that the rest of the world does. I think it has a whole lot to do with our heart, our motivation, 
our mind, the way we th- we're thinking about what we're doing, you know, and it's all has to do with the goal that we're looking at in the end. You know, it's like, it, why am I doing these things? Why am I living in this way? Why do I have these relationships? Why do I go to this movie? You know, all of these things. And so we have to judge soberly that stuff. But when he says, be, don't be conformed to the world, it's not necessarily don't do anything that the world does. Don't drive a car. Don't have a job, you know, and all that stuff. Like, I've met people before that have given, you know, the scriptures that say, you cannot be my disciple unless you give everything that you have to the poor and come follow me. Well, I've met some people that take that literally, and they literally have given everything they have, which I think, okay, that's great, you know, that's fine. But but then they live as bums on the street. And so I think that there's poss- there is a possibility that some people are called to be bums for Jesus and reach the bums. But But I do think that if we're just taking that scripture, um, just just face value, because we think I cannot be God's, I can't be Christ's disciple if I own anything, we're losing all clout and any kind of influence that we would ever gain in any other realm of the earth besides bums. And so that's a lot of my mentality with going to school. Like I have a firefighting degree, and I'm going to school to get a theology degree, and I really want to go to school beyond that. And the, the insight that the Lord gave me with going to school is that it's kind of like how Paul said, you know, to the slave, I become a slave. And I can't think of any other things that he said, but he said to the whoever, I become whatever. And so it's kind of this idea that like, you know, well, the Lord's given me a message to preach and to teach and to disciple and stuff. And so it could be fairly effective and it definitely could be effective with uneducated people. But there's a possible hindrance. There's a possible block in the road. Um, uh it, for educated people, that if I have this message and someone's, someone is educated and they're like, well, this guy doesn't even have a theology degree. I'm not going to listen to him. It's kind of like this obstacle. And the whole reason wh- why I think the Lord wants me to go to school is to remove as many obstacles as I can for the message of God to be heard. To the educated, I become educated. To the uneducated, I'll become uneducated. You know, it's like I, I don't really care. You know, like I don't really look at it. It's not my value system to be like, oh, I need to have a Ph.D., you know, otherwise I'm not worth anything. Ah, God can use anyone at any time in any way, and it doesn't matter. God doesn't need a college degree to use somebody. However, we do live in a very real world, and, and worldly people live by the world systems, and they hear by the world systems, and they perceive by the world systems. And so we don't need to be of the world, but we, but we li- are living in this world, okay? And so we do need to take precautions and not have obstacles in the way. And you got to hear the Lord. But, um, but take that for what it is. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned alike. Don't be conformed to the same pattern. Um, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed means to change in form, to change in appearance, structure, condition, nature, character, function, and condition. I already said condition. So transformed means to change in form, appearance, structure, condition, nature, character, function. So the whole idea is what? To change. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change by the renewing of your mind. So why do we want to change? Why do we not want to be conformed to this world, but we want to be changed by the renewing of our mind? Why we want, why we want to be changed is because we were born into this sinful world. We started out lost. It's kind of like, I don't remember where I was when I was talking about this passage of Scripture, but 
in uh, John 3, everyone, you know, oh, it was the last gathering, John 3, 16. And then we talked about John 3, 17. And it was about, uh, you know, that, that uh, Jesus came to save the world. And he said, because everyone stands condemned already. So us being born into this world of sin, us being, us sinning even once, we're condemned already and we need a savior. And Jesus came to save the world. The reason we want to change to be transformed in our mind is because we were born into sin. We were born into a sinful world, into a physical realm, into a, a kingdom that is not our own, into a world that is not our own. We were born into this place, and, and we, but we want to be a holy chosen people, a righteous people, a people separated to God. And so we need to change from what we were born into, from all the influences of the world. We need to change and be transformed the rest of our lives into people that live under the kingdom of God. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Introduction complete. Okay. So, don't be conformed. So, two, two things we're going to talk about. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed to, by, your, by the renewing of your mind. So, don't be conformed to the world. What does our current world look like? I know we have a picture of what the world looks like in, uh, in, in our environment. We look at the United States. We look at... Uh, um, our own culture. We even look at Colorado Springs. You know, I went to be a youth pastor in Arkansas. It was like being uh, a full-time missionary. <laughs> Dude, it was like, I always tell people it was kind of like being a pampered missionary because, you know, real missionaries would be like, I hate you for saying that, you know, like real missionaries are like out there, you know, Britt Hancock or whatever out there, uh, you know, living in huts and stuff like that. And so, yes, I had a house and stuff, but nobody wore shoes. No, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you a funny story real fast, real fast. So there's this dude, remember Matt? What's his last name? Matt Keys. There's this dude coming from New York, and he's lived in New York like his whole life. And he's coming to Arkansas just to kind of hang out with me or whatever and and just be like, see ministry and prayer and stuff and so his dad had a relationship with our pastor and so he's coming from new york and this dude i found out later like he's he grew up in new york he's lived in new york he's never been boating he's never played soccer he's never uh been camping <coughs> and weapons plural to demolish strongholds you have weapons to demolish fortresses you have weapons given by God that are not of this world, that are not of the physical realm, that have the ability, you have the ability and the power in Jesus' name to demolish fortresses. Do you have the picture? That's not it. <laughs> we'll get, let's give him a minute. Tell me when it's up there, okay? So, we have weapons given by God to demolish fortresses. So that's one key. We're, and then he goes on and he says, listen to the context. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. So what are speculations? Reasonings. Speculations are reasonings. Reasonings of the mind. I'm, you know, like if you're thinking about, well, I've reasoned myself out of this decision. Or I've reasoned myself into this decision. Logic. 
Lofty things are high things. It's arrogant things. It's talking about high and lofty, arrogant reasonings of the mind. So listen to the, the passage of Scripture in context. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You don't need a gun for this warfare. But they have divine power for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations, reasonings, thoughts, and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Listen to the context. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Come here, I'll give you the password. <laughs> what are we teaching tonight? Like laughs and seriousness and computers? Oh, cool. I just wrote it on the note that I need. That's cool. There you go, buddy. It's cap capital sensitive, whatever. Case sensitive. Thank you. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Because he forgets. This picture has caused us so many problems. It's so not even worth it. I don't even need it. All right. Ah. Yay. Did you bring up a sheet of paper with you? I have an extra sheet of paper. Oh, I got it. I got it. Don't do drugs. Okay. So, this, in case you guys don't know, when I didn't live for Jesus, I did drugs. Okay, this is a fortress. Thanks, buddy. Okay, let's refocus, and we're almost done. So, we don't wage war as the, war, as the world wages war. The weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power for the destruction of fortresses. This is a fortress has huge walls on all four sides, has huge towers so that you could see people coming. It's, it's a defense mechanism. It's a, it's, a, it's a fortress that protects. And this whole idea and this whole context is that we have fortresses in our minds. We have fortresses of lies. We have fortresses of false reasonings in our minds. And isn't it interesting that it's talking the whole context is talking about warfare. It's talking about battling. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to flesh. It's talking about warring, like war. You know war where people get killed? It's talking about warring. For the weapons of our warfare, it's talking about weapons and warring and fighting. And the weapons that we have, they have divine power to demolish fortresses. The weapons that we have have divine power to demolish strongholds. Why do they have that divine power? So that we can destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. So that we can destroy false reasonings and fortresses of lies set up in our minds and I believe even in other people's minds. If you're, if, if you're so happening, happen to be praying for someone that's believed a lie. 
and they agree with you that they, they destroy that fortress of, of lies in the name of Jesus. But I think the, the first and foremost application for us is for ourselves. The battle of your soul is in your mind. If, if, if the, the enemy wins in overcoming your mind and you start to believe lies and you start to even guard the lies that you've believed, it's like this web, this fortress web of lies that's protected. And you won't listen to anyone else. Sometimes it's ideologies. Sometimes it's lies about yourself. Sometimes it's lies about your future. But it's lies, and it's the voice of darkness that you've almost, you've taken the, the, the deceiver's voice, put him in a little box, put walls up around, put it in a safe in your brain, and you're like, nobody's touching that thing. And you have this fortress of lies in your mind that's wrecking havoc on your life. And so God instructs us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind Paul says that we have divine power to demolish these strongholds. To demolish the strongholds in your mind. The lies in your mind. Can you just tell her I'm going late? I have to pick her up, so. Um, (laughs) This is the weirdest night ever. Last, last section, Luke 9. Turn there. If you, do you have your Bible? Raise your hand if you don't have your Bible. This is what I do to DLA. Raise it high. Good job. Only a couple of you. All right, that's consequences. I'm just kidding. Welcome to DLA world, people. Thanks, buddy. Okay, this is the last section, and we'll, we'll buzz through this. Is that cool? Are we cool? All right, great. Dan's not here. We're cool. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, cool to go late. I didn't mean that he's not cool. All right, Luke chapter 9. The context for this, this ties in with having a transformed mind. This is kind of my conclusion or whatever. Luke 9, coming up to Luke chapter 9, this is what, this is what I see in the Scriptures. Jesus has has preached a lot of sermons, but he's preached specifically the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus heals a servant. Jesus raises a boy from the dead. Remember, the disciples are there watching this happen. Jesus raises a boy from the dead. Jesus tells parables. Jesus calms the storm. Jesus talks to a storm, and it listens. Like, sometimes I just think about that. And how badly I wish I was there. Because that would be awesome. Could you, ima- could you imagine if it was like dumping snow and you're like, stop in the name of Jesus. And it's just like, the sun comes out. Bam. Jesus calms the storm. Jesus heals a demoniac. And Jesus heals the bleeding woman. So what, what's common here? Jesus is preaching. Jesus is doing miracles. Jesus is doing more miracles. Jesus is preaching some more. It's all happening. It's all happening around the disciples. The disciples are watching this with their very own eyes. Okay, so Luke chapter 9. 
verse 1 and 2. And he, and he, Jesus, called the 12 together. So Jesus calls them together. He gives them power. He gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. In Mark, it's that same story. It says he sent them out. And it says they went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons. And they were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. Okay, so get the picture. The disciples are with Jesus. Jesus is preaching with authority. Nobody's experienced preaching with authority up to this point, I guess, other than prophets and all that stuff in the, in the past. So Jesus, it's a new thing, though. Jesus has come preaching with authority, and Jesus is casting out devils, and Jesus is healing the sick, and Jesus is doing all these miracles, and the disciples are there. And then Jesus goes, guys, come here. And they're like, dude, it is our time. We're getting sent. You know, if I said, raise your hand if you want to be sent by God, every one of us would raise our hand, hopefully. These guys are like, we're, we're about to be sent. Jesus, so they know. They know what's happening. They come, Jesus is like, come here, guys. Says he, he gave them power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases. And they went out preaching that people should repent. They were casting out demons. They were anointing with oil. They were healing the sick. They went out and they were doing the kingdom of God. Okay, Luke chapter 9, verse 10. When the, when the apostles returned, so they returned from going out where Jesus sent them. So some time has passed. When the apostles returned, they gave an account to him of all that they had done. So the disciples come back. Look up, look up here. We'll get, get to it. The disciples come back, and they say, Jesus, this is everything that we did. We casted out demons. We healed the sick. We, we saw people come to the knowledge of who you are. Like, you know, just as we get excited when someone gets healed, just like we get excited when God changes something in our hearts or does something through us or speaks just this awesome word to us, just like we get excited, these guys go out, they see Jesus doing it. Jesus is the example. They see him doing it. They see him doing all these awesome miracles in the name of God. And, and Jesus goes, I'm sending you out. They go out and they do the kingdom of God, and they come back and they give an account to Jesus. And they say, this is all the stuff that we did. And they're pumped up and they're excited. Okay, let's read on. Verse 11. But the crowds, okay, sorry, taking them with him. So Jesus took the disciples with him. He, re he withdrew by himself to a city called Bethsaida. So, but the crowds were aware of this and they followed him. And he welcomed them. He began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. Okay, so... So, the, the apostles had gone off, and they're really tired. Other, go other gospels, store, part of the story, say that, they, that he was like, come and rest. And he was withdrawing to a place of rest. So the apostles wanted to go off to a place of rest because they were out doing the work. It's like when we get back from tour, you don't really want to go, like, address thousands of people and have to minister to all of them when you get back from tour, do you? You want to go rest, right? Same, th same idea, I guess. Okay. So verse 12. So the, so the apostles, the disciples are like, dude, let's go rest. And Jesus is like, yeah, let's go rest. But the crowd follows him. And Jesus welcomes them. 
Verse 12, now the day was ending, and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. For here we are in a desolate place. Now some people are like, well, the disciples just wanted to rest, and they wanted to eat themselves, which probably was the case. So they're like, oh, Lord, these people are hungry. Send them away, you know. But really the disciples are like, please let us be alone and eat, you know. But whatever it was, they say that. And Jesus looks at them right here, and this is what so catches my eye. You give them something to eat. Jesus is like, you give them something to eat. That's just weird to me. I'm like, when I, were, when I discovered this whole idea, I was just, that's what made me discover it, was I was like, you give them something to eat? What is he doing? All right, so, and they said, Listen to what the, how the apostles respond. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down to eat in groups of about 50 each. They did so. They sat down. He took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to, to heaven, he blessed and broke them and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. All right, look up here. So we know the story. Jesus multiplies the bread and the fish so what i see here is the whole context and the whole story jesus does exemplifies the kingdom of god he does the stuff he says this is what the kingdom of god looks like he teaches them and disciples them on the side he he attends to them and pastors them and, and he's training them and equipping them and teaching them and showing them the kingdom of god and then at this point he draws them to himself and he says, all right, I'm sending you. With no doubt, the confidence, he gives them the confidence. I'm sending you with authority to cast out devils, to heal the sick. I'm sending you. And he sends them. And they go and they do the work of the kingdom of God. They come back and they report to Jesus. We, this is all the stuff we did. We're so dang excited. We're really tired, but we're excited. Jesus sent them. They did the stuff. And then there's still demand for ministry. There's still all these people here. And Jesus welcomes them, as you'd expect. And the disciples are like, you know, these guys need to eat something. Maybe it's been a few days, whatever. But these guys need to eat something. They're out in some field. There's not like a Burger King close by. And, and the disciples are like, they need to eat something. And Jesus looks at him, and he goes, you give them something to eat. And what Jesus was doing here is he was challenging. He was testing if they got it. He was testing them. I think it's the book of John that tells this story, and, they, and it says straight up in the story that Jesus said this to test them. Jesus goes, you give them something to eat. And I imagine, I, I think that the message across here is Jesus' heart is saying, I exemplified the kingdom for you. I trained you. I discipled you. I shared the truth with you. I gave you the anointing and the power. You went out and did the work of the kingdom. Now you're back with me. And maybe that's one of the keys, is that they were with Jesus, and so they just defaulted, oh, we're with our leader. He's going to do what he wants. But Jesus is like, no, I'm going to be going away, and you're going to be left, and you got to do what I've been doing. And Jesus said it to test them. Did you get it yet? Is your mind transformed yet? Is your mind transformed enough to see that, that a couple loaves of bread and a fish 
isn't going to hinder ministry here. Do, listen to what the disciples say. Jesus goes, you give them something to eat. Their automatic response is what? Worldly thinking. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. Automatically they go, the only way we can get food is by buying some food. Other, other gospels say that, that they said not even a month's wages would pay for enough food for all these people. So Jesus goes, you give them something to eat, and they think, in order to have food, you have to work a job, you have to gain money, and then you can buy the food for the people. The kingdom of the world, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I just sent you in power. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. Have you gotten it yet? Is your mind transformed yet? Have you changed the way that you think? Have you been transformed and renewed so that you see how I see? That you know what is possible to those that believe. And he said it to him to test him. And the whole, the whole thing, it's Jesus is like, this is the kingdom of God. What, the way I want you to pray is let, your, let my kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, exemplified for you. I was the example of what the kingdom of God looks like. I performed the kingdom of God. I spoke with authority. I healed the sick. I casted out devils. The kingdom of God has come to the earth. And now I anoint you to go carry the kingdom of God to the earth. Have you gotten it yet that you are the anointed one? That if you believe in me, as the scriptures had said, nothing is impossible for you. Rivers of living water will flow from within you. You'll do the things I have been doing. You'll do even greater things than these if you believe in me. What does he mean by that? Jesus goes, if you believe in me, you'll do the things that I have been doing. You'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I'm sending the Spirit. Is your mind transformed yet? Are you still thinking about praying for the sick people that you see, the cripples that you see at Walmart? Are you still, are you thinking about nothing's impossible for those that believe? Are you still believing for the dream that God's put in your heart to reach a generation? Has your mind changed yet? Are we being transformed in our minds? It's, it's not, it has nothing to do with physical outward appearance piety has nothing to do with being a monk and going and living in a cave if i was if i go and live in a cave i guarantee you i will grow in being set apart from the culture just by nature of not even being around the culture who cares who am i affecting who am i influencing who am i who am i loving who am i how am i advancing the kingdom of god yeah i can advance it in intercession and prayer but god's called us to be his hands and his feet Jesus didn't go stay in a cave. He lived in the culture. He sat with sinners. Because he came just for them, the ones that know that they need a Savior. Just like you and I. we got to pray. we got to seek. we got to act upon the thoughts and the ponderings and the inklings of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. we got to demolish the strongholds of lies that hold us back, that make us fear, that make us think that we can't do it, that make us think that we're never going to measure up. we got to demolish the strongholds and we got to live into the will of God for our lives. 2 Peter 1, 3 
It says, God says that through these, through God's, I think it says glory and excellence or something. Through God's glory and excellence, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. By God's glory and his excellence, he's given us his precious promise that through them, that we would participate in his divine nature and we would escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So he's given us what we need. He's given us what we need. We have to choose to transform our mind. We have to choose to think differently. We have to choose to live as people from another age. This isn't our home. Our home, we're yet to go to our home. This isn't our home. We want to bring our real home to this place. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.